0: This is Blockbuster Film School. This is
1: Blockbuster Film School! Hey,
0: Nice to see you, Nicholas. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Welcome to the Blockbuster Film School, the Royal Film School Academy, where you are currently enrolled i'm alex bonner and guess what you just heard a handsome dan impression from the handsomest man in the world mr nicholas Souter. i think i destroyed my voice forever that's right welcome to the party pal um am i talking can you hear me i can i can't hear anything your mouth isn't moving though so it's telepathic how is that recording brain teps super producer brain teps is here he is recording our telepathic thoughts oh no You heard my thought about shorts (laughs) Where's another White Claw? Oh, everyone has a thought That's just racing through their head all the time Well, you're here because you want to learn about film You want to learn about the true history of film The true The truest Yes, the truest nature of the cinematic art
1: really happening behind the camera Perhaps Hmm. with the money aspect.
0: If you will. Have we ever gotten into that so far? I don't know. I don't know, Nick. Have we ever talked about morons who've done insane things in the cinematic arts? Because I think we have one of the great, great, yes. great monarchs of moronic cinema. If you could spell
1: magnomaniac any way you wanted, I'd spell it S-I-L-V-E-R.
0: <laughs> Let me tell you a little something. Because... I'm just a regular old film producer guy named Joel Silver. If you don't know who Joel Silver is, you know who Joel Silver
1: is. (laughs)
0: You do. That's basically it. You have watched a Joel Silver film before. If you don't exactly know what's happening with Joel Silver, we're going to explain it to you because it's Blockbuster Film School. We're doing this. It's going down. And listen, Joel, he's a real classy guy. (laughs) He's never done Ooh, anything insane. Dude. He's a real normal guy. Ah. Yes, yes. He's not dressed like an evil version of Dom DeLuise all the time. <laughs> um, he
1: also doesn't have a $5 million Diego Rivera mural okay. just in the
0: entrance of his house. Yes. Of Diego Rivera? Like, that he... Stole from, like... Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I know. He's in the art. We'll talk about his art collection. Yeah. How this is real passion. This is real passion. Movies are just some bullshit for morons. Um, Scumbags. Just so you guys know, that accent is not going to stop. I apologize. I've been trying to stop doing it, but... You know, Brian's Mi-
1: shaking his head. We know you haven't been trying to stop.
0: And there's no way I could do it because I'm sorry. Mr. Joel Silver, he was born in South Orange, New Jersey. Hey. and New Jersey, what exit? Yeah. Hey, what are you
1: doing? And, um, you know, the crazy thing is that joke is from Joe's apartment. Yes. And every time I meet somebody from New Jersey, I go, what exit? They tell me the exit and go,
0: oh, you're from Jersey? I'm like, no, no back no, no, away no, from no. me. No, you are the only weirdos who have a turnpike. Where you have to pay money to get off of to go, whatever weird shit you are, full of barrows and devils. And when you go to the gas station, some random asshole shows up and is like, You gotta pay me. You gotta pay me to pump your gas. I once drove to New York. What? I once drove to New York in 11 hours. It would have been 10, Mm -hmm. but I
1: spent an hour lost on the New Jersey Turnpike to the point where the guy working the toll booth just goes, just take the next exit. I don't care where you go. I'm tired of seeing you. <laughs> I can't keep letting you go for free. I'm like, I'm sorry. This Leader <laughs> Kinney's album stuck in my CD player. <laughs>
0: they just threw some change on him.
1: We're like, thanks, asshole. Yeah. It was actually just a bunch of checker pieces.
0: We ran out of coins at that point a while ago. He's like, these are still worth money in New Jersey, tell yeah. you the truth. Anyway, so, well, we're going to talk about Joel Silver this evening. And... Joel Silver was born July 14th, 1952, in South Orange, New Jersey, which we mentioned. He is a film producer. He has been making movies since 1976. Silver was born and raised in South Orange, New Jersey. His dad was a public relations executive. His family is Jewish. He attended Columbia High School in Maplewood, New Jersey. What is his family? They Your are, voice dropped out there they for a second. Are Jewish? They have the Jewish persuasion? Is his real last name Silver? That's weird. I don't know. Here's a little fun fact. While he was in high school, Silver, a guy named Buzzy Hellring, and Johnny Hines created the rules for what would eventually be called Ultimate Frisbee, and he was later inducted into the USA Ultimate Frisbee Hall of Fame as a creator of Ultimate Frisbee. Okay, this is already where we're at on Joel Silver, okay? This is what we're talking about already. I really didn't think we were going to go there. I <laughs> In high school, this man helped invent a game that would bring joy to white guys with dreads across the world, and it's just been a slow descent ever <laughs> since. He loves white guys with dreads, which we'll actually get into because that happens a lot in his movies. I know.
1: Just think, if he didn't invent Ultimate Frisbee, Incubus would never have been a band. That's true.
0: <laughs> Listen, bro, Brandon Boyd has some cool lyrics, and I just hold on a second. I forgot what I was talking about. I'm gonna ask fuck right now. All right. Anyways, so Silver began his career at Lawrence Gordon Productions, where he eventually became president of Motion Pictures for the company. What the hell is Lawrence Gordon Productions? I don't know. But it was a guy named Gordon. Correct. But it was a New Jersey based film company. Sure. That was riveting. However, they did manage to put together a movie called The Warriors. The Walter Hill 1979 Warriors. This should tell you something right off the bat. His very first movie is one of the ultimate cult classics of all time. Nick, do you like the Warriors? I, At the moment, yes. First time I saw the Warriors, I
1: loved it. The second time I saw the Warriors, I was like, ooh, I might have told this person to buy this DVD (laughs) on a misformed opinion. Yes. I do love the Warriors. Mm -hmm. The director's cut where Walter Hill has all those – fucking stupid comic book frames in, like a transition f- scenes. Yes. Is terrible.
0: Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I don't side with the producers very often. Yes. Well, I think, okay. So I think we should kind of go into quickly my normal film history lesson of what a film producer does. Ostensibly. Okay. Okay. Ostensibly a film producer is the person with money. They have artistic talent, but they have money. The producer is the one who gets the Best Picture Oscar because they are the person who puts the entire production together. They are the one who hires theoretically from the bottom up. They hire the casting director. They hire the cinematographer. They hire the director. They are involved all the way through. They choose typically a director to run the shoot to make the look of the movie, but that's because it's something that they agree with and like. And we'll get into this because Joel Silver works with... To put it with restaurant terms, the
1: producer is the GM. Correct. The owner is the studio head, Mm. and the director is the
0: floor manager. Correct. Although they have a little more, in that analogy, they have a little more say over who the head chef is. They choose the director and... They also have a, spoiler alert, because they put a lot of the money up, they are in charge of getting more of the money at the end. <laughs> they, yes. they divvy out a little bit of the money to everybody, but mostly they get the money. Except, if you're Joel Silver, hmm. you will definitely take- A lot more of the money. A lot more money.
1: <laughs> First of all, actually, if you're Joel Silver, you'll take an advance against the back end oh. because- Well, we'll get any uh, Yes. I'm just saying, Yes, there are
0: spots to get money for the movie Absolutely. all the time. If you want to be a producer, kids, you should be a producer, okay? Yeah. The main problem is you need some cash, right? You need to learn cinematic arts, you need to learn how movies work, but you need some cash. And if you actually have money to produce a movie, I mean, to be fair, you're the one putting up the money, okay? So any of the profits that come out of the movie, you're probably going to be the one who reaps the benefits. And then that's theoretically in an independent cinema sequence situation, you would be the one who reaps the majority. However, producers often then will be hired by larger producers, studios, for instance, and they are even bigger producers, executive producers. They will then hire you to make the movie, hire the people, do the stuff. You still get a bigger chunk. What a producer is, is always in flux, but altogether, the producer of a set is the big boss. They are the one who is in charge of the whole goddamn show. And most of the time, depending on the era of cinema that you're in, the producer is not necessarily ever going to be the exact same role. If you were a producer in the golden age of Hollywood, you were probably one of the actual sort of, how to put this, uh, founders or partners of the studio itself. But as things went along... And you get into more modern filmmaking where you have movies that are made by independent contractors, studios that are then hired by larger studios who will then distribute the movie. This The producer role becomes a much bigger thing. And this is right around the time in the late 70s where the studios begin to dissipate their power and start to buy movies from smaller production houses. Go back to our Orion Pictures episode here at the Blockbuster Film School. There are many, many smaller Dimension, New Line, Castle Rock, Touchstone. Throughout the years, many, many smaller studios who make movies with the express written consent and that these larger studios will then buy the movies and distribute them. However, they often have a conduit. They don't buy them unless there is a producer that that larger distribution house, distribution studio trusts, like, say, a Joel Silver for some reason. They're often kind of the salesman sort of role in a lot of ways. They're the ones who have to talk to everybody. They're the ones who have to negotiate the whole deal. The movie is their movie in a lot of ways. Everyone likes to think that the director is necessarily the main top boss of the movie, but that's not necessarily true. They are the art- artistic boss of the movie when the movie is being shot. But the movie, from its early inception, a producer often will buy a script. They will then say, I like this script. I want to have it made. They'll go around to actors they know. They'll go around to, even more so, they'll go around to acting agents they know, bring the script, bring these things, figure out actors who want to be in the movie. Then they'll go around to investors, try to sell them on the movie, get equity for the movie. Then they'll go around once they have equity and start to put together the whole movie from the top to bottom of the entire cast, the entire crew, including the director. So the producing role is often something that's kind of misunderstood in modern cinema in all cinema, but is ostensibly for a single movie, the most powerful character involved in the entire production house. And as you can imagine, it turns a lot of people into megalomaniacs. So Nicholas, what was the first time that you remember understanding what a Joel Silver was or what a producer was? I suppose I was maybe a question. Because it's two
1: very different ideologies. Agreed. Yes. The first producer I realized was a producer was Deborah Hill. Mm. Because this goes back to always with me to John Carpenter. Agreed. So I knew what a producer was through Deborah Hill. Yes. But that was for independent cinema. Yes. And then as I got older and saw more movies like that and realized who Joel Silver was, I was like, oh. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. Yes. Someone should get Deborah Hill some money.
0: He, agreed. Also RIP. 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 But she had money. It goes with what I was saying. She had money. She liked John Carpenter, wanted yeah, to make exactly. movies. She put together these things, got John Carpenter, and, made, and put the whole movie together so he could have a movie. Yeah. And There's, also they were the, like you said, like you take a little bit of money, mm-hmm. you spend it, you sell it for more money. Exactly. Exactly. And- Wait. Oftentimes, the producer and director do often have a sort of symbiotic role. Oftentimes, a producer will work with a director they like, and so the production itself ideally will be, as an example, one I've never made before. But like the Indiana Jones movies where George Lucas put up the money, he was the producer, and Steven Spielberg directed them. And they worked as sort of a symbiotic team, both of them very powerful, both of them... Able to do a lot of things, but George Lucas had a lot more money. Lucasfilm, all this technology, all this stuff that was part of his thing, he hires his friend Steven Spielberg to direct the Indiana Jones movies. So that's just kind of a general outlier of how producing works. Joel Silver is a weird character, though, because— He is bizarre. He is Because even when we were talking about the Warriors, he appears out of nowhere. He appears from dirtball nowhere New Jersey cinema with— Something called The Warriors, which did become, even at the time, a hit and a cult classic, which you've never seen The Warriors. I think you should. I think you should. It changes the game for a lot of things. It really does. It's a very different sort of movie. It's almost a science fiction movie. It's a movie that... Mm, It's a fantasy film. In this weird way where it's like an alternate dimension movie. It's one of those movies where... It's in love with the idea of New
1: York, even though it's not New York. Mm. It's what everybody is in love with, the idea of New York as
0: opposed to being there and paying $8 for a cup of coffee. And I think this will go into a lot of the stuff that Silver does in his movies, in which he often will have very bombastic things that are the world, but they are not the world. They are bombastic versions of the world. They are crazy person versions of the world that people seem to like to watch. Uh, We will get into some of his movies. We're going to just talk about Joel himself. This is going to be kind of all over the place because if you don't know who Joel Silver is, he has produced, no joke, something like a hundred (laughs) films. He is one of the most prolific Hollywood producers of all time. He has become almost a caricature of himself, which we will talk about, that he is the Hollywood producer guy. Literally become a character of himself. He is. is he got when, snuck on a set so he could do it. When I do that voice, I'm doing Joel Silver because that Hollywood, yeah, yeah, that's the, No, no, no. We're going to need more explosions in this movie. So that speedboat is going to have to crash into that. And then that's literally the Hollywood producer guy, the guy with the New York accent, the New Jersey accent who shows up into Los Angeles and is kind of a big, tough, weirdo guy who bosses people around. But as all insane Hollywood producers, uh, has his share of controversy about his behavior and how he acts. So we'll talk about that. But in the beginning, he makes The Warriors. He then produces 48 Hours, Streets of Fire, and Brewster's Millions with Lawrence Gordon Productions in New Jersey, all of which are hits. All of which are big. But at the time. He also produced Xanadu, which was, was not a hit. It was not a hit. <laughs> no. <laughs> they had to. But he's a cult classic. They had to dress like the Gene Warriors.
1: Kelly and make him do th- Gene Kelly was high on morphine,
0: <laughs> Martin Landau and Ed Wood style. Mm-hmm. He didn't know what was going on. He, had, he was like, roller skates. Okay, fine. Yeah. Xanadu is both terrible and amazing. I would recommend checking it out. It's trash, but it's fun to watch. But 48 hours, he. Before anybody, like I said, maybe early versions of the Buddy Cop movie, he hires Eddie Murphy before anybody else hired Eddie Murphy. Streets of Fire, that's early stuff with Rick Moranis and Diane Lane. I mean, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, he has an eye for talent. He absolutely does. Brewster's Millions, he figured out that that would sort of work with uh, Willy Wonka and <laughs> Richard Pryor, this sort of weird pairing. He I mean, kind of created these movies that nobody really in the 80s didn't even know that they wanted, and they wanted them. They were big hits. In 1985, he formed Silver Pictures. I wonder how he came up with that name. And produced... He was jerking off to a picture of himself. (laughs) Yeah, hold on. You're looking real good in that tracksuit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In 1985, he formed Silver Pictures and produced successful action films such as Commando. Have Have you seen Commando? Let me answer
1: your, your question with another question. Mm. Did my dad tape Commando on three
0: separate VHS tapes? <laughs> yes, he did. I'm John Matrix. I'm just a normal guy trying to raise my daughter who is on, who's the boss. How dare you try to good girl? I remember in my family, we've talked about this on our Arnold Schwarzenegger episode, that in my family Arnold Schwarzenegger was regarded as sort of, like a lesser god, like Apollo. It's like a higher statesman. Exactly. And even then, my dad was like, commando sucks. <laughs> but I will say this. After watching this again, it does suck, but it is Joel Silver, and it is nuts, and shit explodes. I want to put something out. Mm. The first half
1: doesn't suck. It is fun as fuck to watch. Yes. When he gets to the island, yes. and he's just shooting a bunch of stormtroopers. Oh. Yeah. And everyone's work. shooting at him, and like nobody, not... nobody has ever shot a gun before. Yes, nobody hits him at all. It's one guy versus a million. <laughs> He's standing out in the open, not hiding any, behind anything. Yes, and then he runs out of
0: bullets, and he just starts throwing fucking <laughs> saw blades. <laughs> I do like that he murders a guy on a plane. He and then uh, leaves the guy and sneaks yeah, out through yeah. the fucking wheel. <laughs> where uh, and then my personal favorite is he. There is a scene, everyone in Commando, where he. The plane is taking off. A plane going, I would imagine, 500 miles per hour to take off. And he jumps off of it and just lands. Casually walks. Just lands in water like like you would, as though you had jumped off of your car into a pool. (laughs) That's how (laughs) it works. Yeah, You're overthinking this. You're fucking overthinking this. One thing, though. Yes. It is Schwarzenegger. Agreed. And I have to posit this. Like we were talking about, nobody knew they wanted this. But Joel Silver is creating a comic book reality in his movies. Before this, in the late 70s, there is this grittier side. There is Scorsese. There is Cassavetes. Friedkin. Yes. There is this much grittier, more real side. And all of a sudden, this one dude is like, no. You can jump off a plane, land, whatever. No one gives a shit. As long as it's cool. Yeah. As long as
1: it's cool oh, yeah. <laughs> and your muscles are glistening. Yep. We'll get you to Bogota.
0: Bingo. No one can shoot you. No, it doesn't fucking matter. Everybody will like to see Arnold Schwarzenegger shoot some stuff with his, you know, when the veins are in his biceps and he's shooting that machine. go, 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 go. That's what the people want to fucking see. Okay? They don't give a fuck about psychology. And, I mean, for a while he was correct because the next movie he made was a movie called *Lethal Weapon, which... Is that the one with um, Damon Wayans and Chow (laughs) Yun-Fat? I would watch that movie. That is the one where Mel Gibson does a bunch of Three Stooges impressions, and for some reason, Danny Glover is in a bathtub where his children watch him bathe actively. Well, that's the second one. (laughs) That's the first one, too. It's all of them. Mm -hmm. It's just a normal family thing, okay? Your family runs in while you're in the bath. They give you a cake. Well, your penis is out (laughs) in the bathtub.
1: That specifically is the second one.
0: (laughs) Yes. The rest of the time, they're just hanging out. They only give them a cake in the second one. I agree. I'm just saying, look, I love my family, okay? If they ran in while I was in the bath, well, and gave me a cake, it would freak me the fuck out. It makes
1: sense (laughs) to me. Because I can see the producer point of view, where it's like, you have Mel you have Gibson. cocaine all over your face. I, have co- I do have cocaine <laughs> all over my face. You have Mel Gibson's point of view, where he is alone, on a beach, with a dog, his yep. wife is dead, mm-hmm. and there's a gun in his mouth. Yes. What's the opposite of that? The opposite of that is your family <laughs> so
0: is close. so close, mm.
1: they're walking in on you to the bath, and they're just like, oh,
0: dad's penis, womp, 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 what whatever. Yeah. This is going to be hilarious. I agree with that entirely. We have to go through him a little bit so we can get into the crazier stories because he makes Lisa Weapon, which is the big movie he makes. He makes tons of big movies. I'm not going to lie. But in the 80s, that and then he made Die Hard. You, also, you skipped over Predator. I did. I mean, to be quite honest, I'm having trouble trying to like keep all this in my head because I skipped over others. He also made Weird Science. That's same year. I'm okay with skipping over that. No, but in 1980... Think about this. In 1985, he produced three movies. He produced Brewster's Millions, which was a big hit. He produced Weird Science. He went with John Hughes. Let John Hughes make his weirdest movie. He went to him and said, I know what you're doing with the Brat Pack stuff. I like that, but I want you to make something crazy. I want you to make something more insane because I'm Joel Silver and I make crazy shit. I don't make the regular stuff. They made Weird Science, which I still love. I still think Weird Science stands up. I think it tells a lesson that has become even more presciently real now than it ever has before about the way men perceive women and treat women and things like that. And in 1905, he also made Commando. In 1986, he makes Jumping Jack Flash, Brain Taps' favorite movie about Whoopi Goldberg. He does have that Whoopi Goldberg tattoo on his back. He does. He does. In 1987. I he don't like when
1: it captures though It says it's whoopee
0: time. <laughs> That's disconcerting. You know? Yeah. It's confusing. Do he's, not edit he's, that he's, out. Edit God out. Damn out. damn it. That's your tattoo. You, you keep it have, in. You have to Stop that. No. Stop
1: that right now. Stop. <laughs> stop. Hit cancel. Hit cancel.
0: I like that there's a he's cancel his button. He's not hitting
1: cancel. <laughs> there's a cancel button. He did, oh. He did it. He did it. He left it. a
0: marker. You should leave it in. I'm going to bring it up
1: so many more times now.
0: It is kind of funny, though, because, like, in the 80s, he makes a big movie and a fail sometimes. And Jumping Jack Flash, not as big. Although, not a mega fail, though. Made money. Whoopi was doing something different. He tried something different with Whoopi. This is what he does. He makes something different. She went on to win an Oscar a few years after that. She's a big star at the time. He's like, maybe you should be a cop in a crazy cop comedy. I don't know. Give it a whirl. I did it with Eddie Murphy. I mean, I did it with Mel Gibson. Yeah. Try it. He gets it. And in 1987, he makes *Lethal Weapon and Predator. 1987, yeah. he makes *Lethal Weapon and Predator. Yes. This basically assures him the next 30 years of him being allowed to act like an idiot and come at least a decade. Okay? Because we will get into it, – it basically does actually afford him a decade. He makes a movie called Action Jackson in 1988. With Carl Weathers, in Predator. Yes, which is pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. You know, it made its money back. Yes, it is pretty fun. Yeah. It's not a big hit, but in 1988, then he makes Die Hard. Welcome to the party, pal. Is that what that's from? <laughs> I have no you... idea what you're ever talking about. Go to the coast. Have a few laughs. I still take my shoes off after I get off a plane and make a fist with my toes.
1: Yeah, but you do it in the cab. It's fucking weird. It is
0: weird. I'm not traveling with you ever again. I also am not wearing shoes during the entire flight just to freak everybody out. It's so weird. I don't have any trouble with coronavirus on the plane because I'm not wearing a shirt, so no one sits near me, you know? I'm never going back to Baltimore because of you. Um, But he makes Die Hard. Once again, another movie that is not... He takes John McTiernan, a director that nobody had really kind of known what to do with. A movie... Bruce Willis, a actor that nobody knew what to do with.
1: Yeah. Let's also point out – we pointed this out before, but it bears repeating. Mm. Die Hard was made for $32 million. Yes. $5 million of that went to Bruce Willis. Mm. And the studio flipped the fuck out that that was a choice that they were making because
0: why would they give this guy from Moonlighting $5 yeah. million dollars to
1: shoot Alan Rickman?
0: Exactly. And also, there's some really interesting stuff about the making of that movie where – a lot of actors passed on it because they liked the script. They liked McTiernan, but they didn't. They thought the idea of an action star hiding was, you know, we wien- them. Yeah, it was weenery. It was something you wouldn't do. You, oh, you'd hide from the bad guys. No, you should show up like in Commando and just annihilate them with your biceps out. And I'll give Silver already understanding, no, you got to mix it up. you got to change this. You have to flip the concepts of what these genres are on their head. He is, at the time especially, and always kind of an action producer. That's what he likes. Can I
1: read the quote, though? Is it do really it. No, quote? do
0: it. Read it up, baby. Okay, so this is a quote
1: that he very famously said. This is from a Hollywood Reporter thing. Silver's signature movies, action-adventure hits, are not award contenders. He once described fans of his films as scum of the earth and was known for saying, I don't make
0: art, I buy art. (laughs) Okay. I think this is later Joel Silver, A. But B, I mean, I have to say... That's Joel Silver as a person. I know. But as scum of the earth... Personally, I understand. I get it. I want to see this dumbass shit. Okay, yeah, so do I. I like these dumbass movies. I've convinced my family they want to watch Die Hard every Christmas. It's amazing. He somehow understood elements of, I'm not going to say the lowest common denominator, but a lower common denominator that was not being addressed in Hollywood. As I said, in the 70s, the quote unquote action movies are a much headier thing. Yeah. And he says to himself, no, no. People want shit to blow up and funny stuff to happen and cool guys doing cool stuff. Yeah. And
1: everybody wants to be the hero. Yes. Popeye Doyle is not the hero. The no. guy got a
0: fucking away. Yes. He, yes. All of his heroes are super relatable. You want to be them. You relate to them somehow, at least in the 80s stuff particularly. And I think things like Lethal Weapon, Predator, Die Hard. And then in 1989, he makes Roadhouse and Lethal Weapon 2 which is his biggest year in a lot of ways financially and at least of the 80s. And same thing, everyone saw Patrick Swayze as the guy from Dirty Dancing, you know, the guy with the cool hair. Nobody saw him as an action star, but Silver said to himself, no, I'm going to make the craziest hillbilly action mayhem movie and it's going to have the guy with the cool hair who was a famous dancer and I'm going to put him in it and people still talk about it. It's still relevant. It's crazy. It's – as much as Joel Silver is a maniac in a certain way – obviously a certain way. We're doing an episode about him. You have to respect the guy. Yeah. You have to. At least is producing. Especially back then. The, yeah. the 80s Joel Silver, his understanding of what the audience would like to see, even though a lot of the world maybe said to themselves, this is real stupid. This is real stupid. And he was like, "Yeah, I got news for you. The world is real stupid." Yeah. So here I wanna say we one go. Thing about Roadhouse, real fast. Yes, do it. I don't like it. <gasps> I don't give a fuck. I don't like Roadhouse. <laughs> oh, I'm. I used to fuck guys like you in prison. Listen, I have to tell you something. I, for a long time, fought against Roadhouse, and then as I've gotten older, same thing. I find myself watching it like once a year. It's nonsense. The bad guys sneak up on people in monster trucks, okay? Yeah, it's, know. It is the magic of Joel Silver. He is not a good movie producer in the sense of making, like you said, things that you would call necessarily artistically good. They are That's bananas. It's bananas. He makes stuff that you just didn't even know you wanted to see. <laughs> I didn't want to see anything in the roadhouse. <laughs> the fact that... Patrick Swayze, his ninja kicks look like dance kicks, and he danced ninja kicks people in that movie. I don't even know what to say. Also, that's how Texas is, okay? So you're being racist against Texas.
1: I'm fine with that.
0: Okay, that's fine. All right. Also, Lisa Weapon 2, probably the best Lisa Weapon movie. I'm gonna put that out there. That's the one I've seen the most. They talk shit about the South African apartheid. It's been revoked. Yes. The bad guys are South. Free South South Africa, you dumb son of a bitch. Seriously. The bad guys are South African apartheid jerks. Has there ever been a – he had this one little moment to have Nazis who weren't – like. That was Richard Donner, though. I want to point that out. Yes. Who he starts working – which also we should talk about in the Weapon. He starts working with Richard Donner. Yes. Who – a Richard Donner episode would absolutely be – Yes. Warranted. But he worked with Richard Donner
1: for mm-hmm. four Lethal Weapon movies, yes. for Conspiracy Theory, for Assassins, and yes. they both produced and co-created the TV show. Yes. Not the comic book. Right. That it was based on but Tales of the Crips. Yes. Now, since we are talking about Richard Donner, <laughs> I want to bring this up because I can't wait to bring it up. <laughs> Do it. While they were on set one day, one of fucking Joel Silver's guys ran up to him and said... You need to sign this contract. Otherwise, Joel said he'll never talk to you again. And Richard Donner goes, fuck you. <laughs> and they haven't spoken in over 20 uh, years. Oh, my God. I fucking
0: 20 love, years. Yes. So the last time they spoke was on the set for conspiracy theory. Yes. And as we bring this up, in a way, Richard Donner is his Steven Spielberg to Joel Silver's yes. Yes, yes, yes. George Lucas. They worked together the most. They were the most aligned. They like to make crazy action stuff that also had some wildness and some heart to it. That was their thing. And the fact that they no longer yeah. speak. And then he should tell you something because I'm pretty sure George Lucas and Steven Spielberg are calling each other during the quarantine right now. And I'm pretty sure, though, <laughs>
1: Spielberg's pretending to be asleep for half of those calls. Nobody wants to talk to George Lucas that much. That's why he keeps calling Spielberg. But Richard Downer went to find out that the thing he tried to get him to sign. Was going to screw him out of all the money. Yes. That was supposed to come to him from Tails from oh, the Crypt. Yes. And also pin on him all the
0: production overhead. I know. I know. I think I, I'm just trying to get through the timeline here. I know. I can't help it. I'm I I just, me, no, I d- we should do this as yeah. it comes because this is good. Because Joel Silver is I, sh- is there any better word than Shyster? I, I'm shyster sorry. Shyster car salesman. Yes. He honestly he wheels and deals to get these movies made. He's good at it. But he's also absolutely screwing people all the time. Oh, yes. He is absolutely just stealing money from people. It's just, no, 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 no. That's not what the deal was. Sign this. Exactly. Also, his
1: behavior Mm -hmm. is why he's not allowed on the Disney lot. His behavior is why he only produced the first two Die Hard movies. Yes. Because he's not allowed on the fucking Fox lot. Yes. How terrible of a person do you have to be (laughs) – to not be allowed
0: <laughs> on the 20th century Fox lots. Holy shit, man. Yes. Which go back to our box office bombs episode, because the 20th century Fox is lunatics. Yes. Like across the board. Sometimes it works, they're lunacy, but they don't let you on the set anymore. They don't. Also, can we just have a I get how Disney does it. I'm not yeah, allowed no. to have a Disney set.
1: Can we have a can we have a quiet choice to, to the memory of 20th Century Fox?
0: R.I.P. R.I.P. R I P.
1: Twentieth Century Fox.
0: Anyway, RIP 20th Century Fox. You um, you made fucking Star Wars. Took yeah. a shot on, they were lunatics. They took a shot on George yeah. Lucas. I mean, they take a shot on a lot of people. A lot of, yeah. And the fact that they're not around anymore. Their lunacy the will be missed.
1: Fox Searchlight. It's
0: just called searchlight uh, FX, all that stuff. They take shots yeah. on lunatics. They took shots. they made a channel. they it sucks. their're Fox News and all this shit be they're lunatics. They are. they take shots. They go in crazy directions. and the fact that they're not around anymore, it's interesting of whether it will be good or bad. You know, now that Disney is taking control of Fox News. <laughs> and his accent. His wait, wait, real fast. Are mean, we owned by Disney yet? Ab- absolutely. I am Disney Mouseketeer34615. I salute you, my mouse
1: overlord. Oh. Well, then, yeah, it was a great deal. It was a great merger.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, of course. We love you, Disney. Thank- yes, thank you, mouse. Thank you, mouse overlord. I apologize for any... What was the mouse's name supposed to be? Your Milton? Mortimer. <laughs> oh, Mortimer. Mort- oh, yes, Well, Disney's wife literally looked at the whole thing he was making and he said, his name is Mortimer. And she said, what? (laughs) And he said, yeah, it's Mortimer mouse. And she said, no one's going to like that. And she said, why? She's like, nobody likes that name. Yeah. It doesn't make you curious though. Yeah. How many Nazis were named Mortimer? None. He thought it was fun. She was right though. It's Mickey. Yeah. She was correct. She's like, why don't you call it something fun and cool? Like a cool guy name, like Mickey. And he was like, I'll think about it. And then later he's like, yeah, Mickey's good. Yeah. (laughs) I'll cut her out of the rights. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She also not allowed in the Disney lot. (laughs) Exactly. Her frozen head was not (laughs) put into Cinderella's castle. However, it is very interesting. The 70s and 80s were very good to Joel Silver. The 90s are interesting because in 1990, he makes The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, a notorious flop. Starring Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> okay, here's the thing, though. Yes. That
1: movie yes. and Andrew Dice Clay are fucking terrible. Yes. But he's not
0: stupid. Right. He only risked $20 million. Agreed. And it made $21 million. Agreed. And it's with his brand. He's trying stuff with people who normally other producers wouldn't try stuff with, right? Yes. People were like, Eddie hey, Murphy is a buddy cop thing. No one tries this. He tried that, you know? Bruce Willis, the guy from Moonlighting in an action movie role, no one would do this. He tried that. And then in 1990, he also made Predator 2, which made money. Yeah. But I think it's gotten bigger since then. Agreed. He brought in Denny Glover. uh, He was too old for that invisible shit. Was that Shane Black? No. 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 He was kind of an early champion of Shane Black. Shane Black is in Predator. Because there was a writer's strike and he was on set to punch things up. Agreed. Yeah, Stephen Hopkins. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> so this is what we're talking about. But 1991, he makes Hudson Hawk. God. Ooh, Damn it. A mega box office bomb. Yeah, that costs $70 million. A movie called Ricochet. Which I kind of like. Which is not a bad movie with Denzel Washington and John Lithgow yeah. and Ice-T. And actually made some money. Not crazy. It cost like $10 million made $21. Ugh. But uh, another terrible Bruce Willis movie you have to bring up. Uh, the Last Boy Scouts. Which tripled its budget. An unwatchable movie at God this awful.
1: Point. Okay. <laughs> we have to talk about this yes. in length. Yes. You and I tried to watch this movie months ago just for Is the trash. fuck of it. Yes. The fuck of it. To t- see if we get through it. We fast forwarded through more of this movie- than I have through all of the movies i fast-forwarded through this year. Yeah. Yes. Spoiler alert, this is my dumpster pick. Yeah. This yep. is terrible. It is ab- bl- unwatchable.
0: It's like Shane Black wrote it, and Silver produced it, and it just, there's notorious things on set about The Last Boy Scout. About everybody fighting. Everybody fighting. At this point, you have Bruce Willis at the height of his early power, And he, I'm a a comedian. I'm the comedic star. I'm the comedic star. And he didn't like that Damon Wayans was the comedic. Yeah. That he was the straight man. Because he's like, no, I'm I'm supposed to do a lot of hilarious jokes. Yeah, he improvised uh, a bunch of hilarious
1: jokes about a white
0: suburban dad uh, hating rap music. uh, Nothing in this movie ages well. Nothing. Oh, it gets worse. As it goes. Uh, It's bad. All right. So, but this should tell you something because it literally goes like this. Then, 92, Lisa Weapon 3. Okay, whatever. It made money. Whatever. It's trash, It's though. trash. Ni- okay, 1993. I'm going to give a little one here, though, a little side thing. Demolition Man. You send a maniac to catch a maniac. I fucking love that movie. That movie made money. I had the Taco Bell collector's cups. I fucking love that stupid-ass movie. Also,
1: if you have your Blockbuster Film School bingo card, I had the Taco Bell collector's cup covered at a square.
0: Yeah, you got it. Also, just send a maniac to catch a maniac. Have sex? I didn't even touch you. Uh, in which a Rocky has sex with his own daughter, virtually. Oh yeah, that happened. Nineteen eighty four, he makes Richie Rich. He's got a string of bullshit. Here. Yes, nineteen eighty five, he makes Assassins, Fair Games, Assassins to be brought up because you and I tried to watch it last night. It is bad. He does bring in Antonio Banderas, a young actor. Yeah. Uh, Who is kind of, like I said, is interesting in this because he's playing it not only gay, but fundamentally mentally challenged. Yes, and he brings in Julianne Moore and Antonio Banderas, and he encounters these young writers from Chicago named the Wachowskis. And this is the first time he works with them. The movie's not that good. There's lots of studio notes. Yeah, fails. the
1: Wachowski's well, try to get their name removed from the final product.
0: Yes, because I get it. It it's got it's so bad. But it's interesting that they still then would trust him later because and he would trust them. Like yeah. There's a weird because they were directing. It's different. Well, and also he was like, I like this script. Yeah. I like you guys. He's a producer. This is a different role. What was the other movie we tried to
1: watch yesterday that actually was terrible but better than this? Do you remember?
0: Oh, uh, Broken Arrow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! What yeah, that's a terrible a set to, time. To set out. Is that the same year too? Yeah, 1995. He also produces Fair Game, starring Billy Baldwin and Cindy Crawford in the stupidest movie I've ever seen.
1: May I do the budget in the do box it. office? Do it, do it. Budget fifty million estimated. Woo! Box office eleven million
0: ah,
1: dollars.
0: Fuck me. Okay, but I do appreciate still Joel Silver taking people who are not normally people put into movies. He's trying some action stuff with them. He's like, yeah, that Cindy Crawford's real hot. And that Billy Baldwin's got a real nice face. He's like, if Alec Baldwin was handsome. And I'm going to put this in a movie. In 95, Alec Baldwin was still handsome. Wouldn't have never made fair game
1: with <laughs> Silver <was No>. <laughs> Alec Baldwin in '95 still had talent
0: and had more presence of mind to be like, Yeah, that's not a kind of thing I would there's do. There's a reason there's an Alec Baldwin and the rest. This is not a movie I would make right now. Yeah, this is a terrible idea. I'm Alec Baldwin. Um, uh, so he then makes a movie called Executive Decision in 1996 for Russell, Russell and Steven Seagal, yes. That would kind of fun, did make money. I like that movie. They yes. kill
1: Steven Seagal in the first 20
0: minutes. Right. $50 million budget, box office, yeah. $122. 2 thumbs up from super producer Brian Trapps. It's, dude, when he gets sucked out of the window. We're, oh. we're not going to make it. You are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then just buy Steven Seagal. Oh, yeah. Johnny Guizamo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joel Silver still finding a way to stay alive, even in these fail eras of the 90s. Making money and bringing in people he's never brought in before. Well, Bordello of Blood. Not even Bordello of Blood. Right. Bolo, so, yeah. Bordello, right. Actually, Bordello of Blood only costs $2 million to make. Right, made money. And that goes into – he was on HBO at the time. Him yeah. and Richard Donner are making a big cult hit called Tales from the Crypt. And that's making a lot of stuff enough so that they made a movie called Bordello of Blood. And The, the second in their movies about Tales from the Crypt. Absolutely. And I – I love Tales from the Crypt. There are Tales from the Crypt episodes that I think about all the time. And same thing, Silver, as a producer, saying to himself, I don't even have time to work with all the directors and actors I'd like to work with. Here's a show with me and my best buddy, Richard Donner, who eventually we will have such a falling out with because I steal money from I want to make a show with him. It's so good. And Bordello of Blood is not bad. It's not bad. It's worth watching. I would say just find a way... If you got HBO, you just check out all the old uh, Tales from the Crypt episodes. They got them all up there. So check them out. But yes, 1997, he makes Father's Day. Is that what you're. I am in disbelief.
1: (laughs) Now I'm assuming. Okay, so it's Ivan Reitman directing, and then you have Robin Williams, Billy Crystal, and Julie Louise Dreyfus. Yes. I'm assuming most of the money went to Williams and Crystal because the budget for this movie was $85 million.
0: This is the height of his hubris, though.
1: Box office was thirty six.
0: It was also written by a guy named Babalu Mandel, so that that's should, uh, right here.
1: No, I know it's. I know that's there. But Bab-
0: that's... Is that Howie Mandel? <laughs> <laughs>
1: and he just... Let's just call me Babalu. Babalu, put a my... condom on my head. This Don't touch me. Don't now. touch me. I'm Howie Mandel. Don't <laughs> <laughs> touch me. You got COVID. Your germs. Ah. <laughs> That was my that was my Alex Bonner impression. Uh,
0: thank you, thank you for that. Yeah. I appreciate that. It's you were spot on. Um, <laughs> Father's Day is terrible. Oh, uh, it's got awful. And two of my favorite comedic actors, three of my favorite comedic actors, with Julia Julia Lewis Dreyfus, Lewis Dreyfus, and it is trash. Trash. Two of my comedic actors are in there. Guess who I'm not
1: including. I love Billy Crystal. Come on. Oh no, I was I like Robin Williams
0: and serious stuff. I like Robin Williams across the I board. don't think, I Billy Crystal, Julie Weese Drivers. Those are my two picks. There is an element where Robin Williams is interesting because and we can get into this in our Robin Williams episode, which we will do. But Robin Williams is kind of a singular sort of personality. Yes. It's almost better when he is the only one there, it becomes funny because he is in control of the entire situation. When he's put with other people who are genuinely sort of classic comedic actors like Billy Crystal and Dreyfus, it doesn't work. It doesn't
1: work. You get a 90-second montage of him trying on different clothes and doing different accents to approach his maybe son.
0: Yes. And, yeah, him on ensemble comedies was never his forte. That was never his thing. But I will say this. To Silver's credit, on paper, that makes a certain amount of sense. You're trying these guys you've never worked with before. Ivan Reitman you've never worked with before. You're trying some stuff. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe this works. Maybe this goes. Uh, it doesn't. But 1987, he still makes conspiracy theory with Mel Gibson and Julia Roberts, which makes a— uh a Decent amount of money, <laughs> its budget was 80 million bucks. I know it made 150 million because they both make 20 million dollars in movies. Yes, movie. yes, at that point, 90 <sighs> if you are an actor in Hollywood in the 90s, congratulations! Oh my god, congratulations! Everybody was making 20 million dollars. Everybody a movie. was making bucks. Yeah. There was no way to stream anything, there was no way to steal anything or no. siphon money off. The internet you... was still
1: 56k. You had it took me five minutes to download a picture yes. of
0: uh, what's her name from Victoria's Secret. Yes, you had to buy a CD for $25 to listen to any music at all. Yeah. Like everything was controlled. Everything was paid for you. It almost in a certain way. I love the chaotic free for all of humanity, but I also do appreciate that there was this one golden age where artists got paid because there was control over the art itself. But 1998, he makes Lisa weapon four. Nick's favorite movie of all time. Ugh! <laughs> However, in 1998, the Wachowskis from Chicago, Illinois, sit him down, and they show him, apparently in its entirety, Ghost in the Shell. They don't pitch him anything. They just come for a meeting. They tell him something. He says, what the fuck are you talking about? They have a fucking VHS of Ghost in the Shell. They put it in the VHS and show him it in its entirety, and he says, You guys think you can actually fucking make this in a live action version? And the Wachowskis go, we know we can make this. We can make this in a live action version, and we have an entire script ready to go. They show him the script. It is called The Matrix. He says, it's maybe one of the things that I will give Joel Silver, his hubris, his mania, his being a fucking gangster. He says, I'm literally going to double down harder on this than maybe any Hollywood executive, any Hollywood producer, because at this point he is a big member of fucking Warner brothers. He is not a studio head, but he is a big boss at Warner. Warner brothers has him on retainer and he says, okay, he already understands that the studios won't like the script. They won't understand it. They won't know Dick about it. So in maybe the most deft move, that he ever made in his entire career, he then basically gets the funding for the movie based on the script, gets somewhere around $60 million, knows he's going to need way more than that, then takes the shooting to Australia where he knows that it will be cheaper but also the studios won't be up his ass about what they're shooting. They begin to shoot The Matrix and then he starts sending them back dailies of what they have including like the bullet scene. He makes them shoot the bullet scene with the three-dimensional camera first. The studio executives at Warner Brothers say, okay, we get it. And they send him an additional $150 million to complete the movie. He initially even got the script greenlit because Will Smith agreed to be Neo. It didn't go down. And then he had almost as like a side thing because the Wachowskis knew Keanu And he was like, fuck it. So they got Keanu. They put the whole thing together. They, by hook or by crook, made that movie, put it together. And the thing I will give Silver more than maybe anything in his entire career was taking a shot on the Wachowskis and figuring out a way to covertly make that movie. Because when that comes out, is The Matrix his biggest hit? I mean, it's something preposterous. It really is. It's... Budget 63 million, box office 465 million. That's just the box office. Okay. That's not everything that would happen later. Matrix t shirts, still to this day, Matrix cosplay, Matrix understanding of how the world works. But I don't know. What do you think about the Matrix, Nick? It's really hard to find anything negative to say about the first Matrix Mm -hmm. movie. Agreed. It blew my mind. Me and my brother went to see it, just, hey, this looks cool. And it blew my fucking mind. I watched the first Matrix movie not that long ago. It still stands up. Still good. Yeah. It's maybe the best paced movie that Silver ever produced. I'll give him this. I'll give him the Matrix. Always his thing. He took some people who weren't the people who were, you know, the taste of Hollywood. He took some people that he thought were talented and something that would be cool and was for the audience of cinema that they didn't even know that they wanted yet. And figured out a way to make that fucking shit happen. And only a weirdo, intrepid scumbag like him could have ever pulled that off. If they would have gone – if they would have gone to George Lucas, he would have laughed them out of the fucking – he would have like – he does not laugh. He would have (laughs) – he would have stolen their idea and made it shitty. But I know I'm gushing a little bit right now. But for me, for Joel Silver, that's the peak of his career Really? Like in my mind, making these cool action movies in the 80s and stuff. Absolutely. But that one to pivot, to take a shot, to do something, to figure out a way to covertly make this movie. And it is such a game changing on every level movie. I mean, it's it's a testament. I don't know. Okay, I will move on. He follows it up with Made Men. (laughs) With James Belushi and Timothy Dalton.
1: Which premiered on HBO in the middle of the night because yes. I saw that movie. <laughs> it premiered on a Friday at, like, 1230 at night. And I
0: watched the whole fucking thing, and I couldn't stop going, I can't believe how bad this movie is. <laughs> to his credit, though, I think he had that slated to go, and then he realized how big a deal The Matrix was, and he was, like, calling people to produce it over his flip well, phone. Well, it's also, <laughs> like, it's like,
1: HBO produces movies, and... Back in the day, sometimes they would release it in theaters and they just have it premiered at HBO. I feel like they thought this is a movie they could make and then they are just like, uh, eh, it's not going to cost Man. much.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of what it was. He also made House on Haunted Hill, the remake. I hated that. I know, but it was a big hit. It was a pretty big hit in the shape of things. It cost $15 million to make, made $50 million. Yeah. Like, for a horror movie at the time, he then made Romeo Must Die, because that's true, Romeo Must Die. Yep, that's it. Jet Li. <laughs> I think that was part of his agreement with Lethal Weapon 4. He <laughs> was like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get a movie now. And that happened. Exit Wounds in 2001, starring DMX and Steven The fat, fat guy. <laughs> <laughs> also, Isaiah Washington popping up in these things. R.I.P. Isaiah Washington, you don't deserve any of this. You were too good an actor. R.I.P. Is he dead? No, Isaiah Washington is still alive. So, R.I.P. Isaiah R. I. P. Washington's career. R.I.P. What the hell happened to him? I thought he died. Oh, it is. No, you, why do you always make this podcast so much darker than it has to be? You made Swordfish in 2001.
1: Which is the big thing about sword, that movie sucks. Mm. The big thing about Swordfish is that that was Halle Berry's
0: first nude scene. And also it brought in a guy named Huge Jackman was kind of his first big American role. He would make some movies. Also, there was a guy named Don Cheadle. He also made some movies. 13 Ghosts. Which sucked. Which sucked, but made money. He made Ghost Ship with that same weird guy who doesn't have a Wikipedia page, yeah. which also made money. Cradle to the Grave with Jetly and DMX again. You know. He's making money is the element. Then 2003, Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Revolution, and Gothica. Halle Berry again. Penelope Cruz, though, he's bringing in people like Robert Downey Jr., It gets a little weird after this. Uh, Highlights, 2008, he goes back with the Wachowskis to make Speed Racer, which is kind of- 2005,
1: Kiss Kiss Bang
0: Bang. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, he goes back with um, Shane Black to sort of have Shane Black come back. 2009, a lot of weird shit. He makes Orphan, but he also makes Sherlock Holmes, V for Vendetta. It's all over the place. He's firing out stuff. There's a lot of executive producer stuff. Because at this point, he is hired by Warner Brothers. He is a Warner Brothers exec. He is a big time... Yeah, when um, Richard
1: Donner's deal ended, he swooped in and literally took Richard Donner's office.
0: Yes, yes. Well, he made The Matrix, okay? Richard Donner didn't make The Matrix. I know that's fucked up to fuck over your friend, which you should never do. But did Richard Donner make The Matrix? I don't think so. (laughs) So... Some highlights up to now. He was an executive producer for all of Veronica Mars, which a lot of people like. That was kind of his show on television. I like that show, kind of. Same. And he brings Kristen Bell. Like, he kind of finds Kristen Bell, makes her into a TV star. I never knew what day it was on, so whenever Mm -hmm. I was home that day, I was like, oh, this is a nice surprise. I'm just saying he still has this ability to notice talent and say this is something that nobody is watching. This is – he notices there's detective shows and all the detectives are dudes. You know, I mean, it's just – I mean – I don't think he deserves credit for that. I don't – but – Someone else wrote the show. Agreed, but he produced it. I mean, he's the producer. He said – I'm sure it was something that dumb. He literally was watching TV. He's like, all these TV shows have dudes as the detectives. What if we made a show where the detective is a non-dude? And they were like, yes, correct. Nailed it. And he was correct. 2016, he gets back with Shane Black to make The Nice Guys, which I do love. I'm sorry. I love love The Nice Guys. That's Shane's
1: Black last good movie. Yes,
0: it's going to be on my wall. Um, that is my wall. Yeah, 2018 he made Superfly, which I have not seen yet. I've not seen no. yet. I don't uh, I don't know if it's good. That is his last produced film directed by Director X, aka Julian Christian Lutz. Mr X. Mr. <laughs> so that is his filmography. Uh, he also was a character in Who Framed Roger Rabbit <laughs> playing himself, playing himself basically. They had to sneak him on the set. Mm. Disney execs didn't cool. know he was in the movie until a couple of weeks before the film came out. Which I'll give Zemeckis fucking being like, yeah, fuck it. You're a fucking lunatic. <laughs> I want a guy who's a lunatic film producer. He also is who supposedly Tom Cruise based the character he had in... Tropic Thunder. Tropic on, Thunder. Thunder. Yes.
1: Half and half with Weinstein.
0: Yes. But it's easier to go with... Also, bleep out Weinstein's name. <laughs> <laughs> apparently Joel silver would call you and flip his fucking shit. And then also do dances and stuff. Cause he's Joel silver. He's also an artist. I mean, he is, I think that's something that I don't really give enough credit for when I'm just talking about how much of a lunatic he is because, and a money man and executives, but he is absolutely an artist. He has crazy ideas that artistically come through. So, I know you have some stories. I know you have some stuff you want to talk about with Joel. I think we should do this before we do the Blockbuster Wall. Okay, so
1: I, this is not going to be any type of order. I have all these screenshots. I just want to fire I'm these block- off. Okay. I love this. When Silver's relationship with Warner's finally ended in 2012... He took cash in lieu of future revenues. He has a history of doing this. He did this on every movie he produced for Warner Brothers. He took cash in advance. And when his project before that failed, he used his house, the one with Diego Rivera mural, as collateral. (laughs) He used his house as collateral in like 30 fucking movies. But when he gave this up, the future revenues on all of his movies he made with Warner Brothers. Yeah which even happened before he had that contract with them. Yeah. The people from the article talked to people at Warner Brothers, and they said that he owed $30-plus million, to which when they talked to Joel Silver about it, he goes, it was more than $30 million. <laughs> he didn't know the number. But instead of taking years of revenues, because mm-hmm. think about it, The Matrix is on Netflix. Yeah. Fucking Lethal Weapon, all four of them yeah. are on Netflix. Yeah. You can buy them. They're on Blu-ray, all this shit. He still gets a piece. He doesn't get any of it. He gave it all up for $30 million on that day. Jeez. because he needed All the it. Warner stuff? All of it's gone.
0: That's crazy. That's... He
1: doesn't plan long term. No. So when the article was written, it was before The Nice Guys came out. And the guy that owns that hockey team, I, I talked to him. The myself. Edmonton Oilers. Yes. yes. He decided. His, <laughs> his net worth was. Edmonton, Edmonton, Because his worth was $4.3 billion at the time. He decided to invest in silver pictures. That relationship, yeah. shocker, <laughs> went sour. So then I was watching a YouTube news thing from December 2019. Yes. This one finance company was hired to help Joel Silver find more money. <laughs> they couldn't do it, so they hired another finance company and told them, if you help us do this, if you bring us clients and we sell them on them, we will give you like 15 or 20% of what we make, which that company did. That's why he has four pictures in development. But the financiers that hired those guys, screwed them over. Yeah. So now two people who got Joel Silver all this money are suing each other because they did stuff just like Joel Silver did. (laughs) The other thing was when Joel Silver was really hitting it hard, he had to take hard loans against his house Mm. to get more money to produce a picture. This was right after he went indie in 2012, right? Yes. He wound up getting $5 million from somebody. But he went through so many brokerage and so many deals that fell through at the last minute. He paid half a million in fees to companies that didn't give him any money so he could get that $5 Jesus Christ. His lifestyle, I read. (laughs) Here we go. Has not changed at all, which includes every year in the winter. Uh Keeping in mind, he lives in L.A. Yeah. And in the winter... He goes to Italy and brings his 11-person staff with him so that they could cook authentic Italian foods with authentic Italian products in Italy. He flies over his whole family and these 11 people that work for him to make him ravioli (laughs) instead of going to a fucking restaurant in Italy.
0: They don't make it right. What I also have a theory, though. He was an executive for Warner Brothers for so long from like basically the Matrix to like 2010 that I have a theory that he was probably siphoning money away (laughs) the entire time. And so when they tagged him with 30 million bucks, he was like, yeah, I owe you 30 million bucks. Because according to Wikipedia, he's worth like $400 million. Yes. So there's a very real possibility. He was like, oh, is that what you guys are going to tag me with? Oh, yeah, I do. I owe you $30 million Yeah. Because he literally was just like double dropping as an executive on Warner Brothers for years. Just, you know what? Romeo must die. The budget is $100 million. And they're like, I thought it was 50 He's like. Yeah, I thought so too But, you know, here we are So
1: so this is what Richard Donner has to say about <laughs> yes. His guy who produced seven of his movies mm-hmm. And they produced Tales from the Crypt again. They at
0: one point were buddies
1: David. They have not spoken since the last Lethal Weapon movie That was 1998 That was 22
0: years They kissed in a hot tub one time It got weird
1: This is what Richard Donner Donner, who was one of Silver's vowed enemies Said this <laughs> This is what the article says Vowed enemies. He's charming. He's funny. He's delightful. But keep your eye on him. Joel will use you and get everything he can.
0: Yeah, he will. I mean, yeah, I think you nailed it. I think, like, that's the element. I mean, we could go into the fact that the guy collects real estate from fucking Frank Lloyd Wright Wright buildings. He
1: owns the only plantation that Frank Lloyd Wright ever designed. Yes and then turned it into some fucking spectacle. Yeah. One of his houses in L.A. turned into an animal sanctuary where he also housed an incredibly dangerous hippopotamus. <laughs> Hippos are the only animals you cannot train
0: I can for what, films
1: because they're too violent.
0: He's like, I relate to this. Yes. This hippo would also steal money from Richard Donner. <laughs> this is exactly the kind of animal I'm into. No, I agree. I, like, this is the kind of shit where it's like, I know I was listing it off, but Joel Silver is just the ultimate Hollywood producer guy in that element where when you think of I know I said at the beginning, I know I said that Tom Cruise did an entire impression of him that everyone thought was funny. To a level where somehow even through movies we didn't even know who Joel Silver was, that he would call you and scream at you and call you names and then start dancing and being weird as fuck. And you're like, what the fuck is happening? Like, why do I trust this guy? I don't understand. He is a mafia boss. He is a mafia Hollywood boss who was legit like a true like Lucky Luciano or something where he did pick it right. He did pick. Richard Donner once He did pick the Wachowskis. He did do it correctly, but he was going to steal from all of them. Yeah. Because that's how he operates. That's his thing. And still, Joel, if you want to work with us, you can steal from me. Okay? You want to produce a movie with us, you can steal from me once we make the movie. Okay? Like, or give us a bunch of money and we'll call it Joel Silver's Block. I think, so I, I think there's an element. I'm sure he stole money from all of them, but I get why. This is why he takes people who weren't big stars. This is why he takes risks on people, right? Because he, in his mind, has a give and take, right? Where it's like, I made you into a big star. Now you can go make your own money. Yeah, I stole all the money from that movie. But you were jack shit, and I made you a fucking star. Now you go make money, and I fucking take the money. So if you want to be pissed about it, I mean, was a Hollywood producer going to take a shot on you otherwise? I don't think so. And I kind of almost see the logic of it. Like, it is weird with Richard Donner. It is weird <laughs> because I'm sure at a certain point he's like, you're not lifting me up. I'm Richard Donner. We've yeah. been friends for years. You're just straight up stealing yeah, from me no, now. He literally, <laughs>
1: like, as, as fucking um, Donner put it, he sent some minion with him. With a fucking contract, yeah. Richard Donner was like, fuck off. <laughs> also, the, real fast, before we get to the wall and the mm. dumpster, which mm. I can't wait for it. I'm, it's so weird to be more excited about the dumpster than the wall in an episode.
0: <laughs> to be fair, I think there's an element. The guy is an actual gangster. He is an actual gangster. He found a way to make stuff and do things that nobody else was doing. It is the positive side <laughs> of all of this But it also creates mayhem enemies because he was absolutely stealing from people, but in his mind, giving them something back in return. And, yes. Why did he get kicked off the
1: Fox lot, Nick? He got kicked off the Fox lot because while they were making Die Hard, he was waiting in line to get onto the lot behind like three or four other cars and couldn't wait. So he instructed (laughs) his driver to drive through the gate like a gangster. Yes. To which point he was never allowed in the Fox Lot again. Yeah. And then after Die Hard with the budget doubled during filming. Yeah. And then during Ford Fairline, where also the budget doubled during Always.
0: filming. This is part of the gangster thing though. He tells you a budget, sends you back some dailies that look good, and he's like, Oh, we're gonna need another seventy million dollars Knowing that they need like twenty. Right? And- and when like, he eats, that, that $50 million goes into paintings and random weird shit. And then in his mind, he's saying, oh, this movie's going to make $150 million. It's going to be fine. It's going to come out clean. It's going to be fine.
1: I guarantee there was not one daily on the
0: adventures of Ford Fairline starring Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> that one, no. 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 That, although, who knows? The amount of cocaine that was happening to allow that movie to be made at all. Okay, I get why. It was like you said, taking a chance. This is yes.
1: some jackass comedian. He was big! Who's got an idea. They got Robert England to be in it.
0: At one point, for the children, and even for me, I have to remind myself, there was a brief little moment where Andrew Dice Clay was the most over-comedian in America. He was a big deal. But to be fair, there was a moment where Eddie Murphy was the most over-comedian in America. And nobody knew what to do with him, and he put him in action movies, and it worked. You know, I mean, so he thought this would work with with Dice, and it did not, Mm. because it turns out Dice is less talented than Eddie Murphy. (laughs) Which is not really a solve anyone had (laughs) a That's not really a sentence at all. That's just, that's like saying gold is worth more than rocks. Yeah. That's like saying oxygen is more valuable (laughs) to a person than cyanide. (laughs) Yes, correct, correct. Exactly. Oh. Uh, all right, so do you have any other uh, tidbits before we go into uh, f- the dumpster? <laughs> I feel like I read all my favorite. There's so much. There's, I mean, honestly, it's an element with Silver where also when you were talking about the 20th Century Fox thing, he was a Warner Brothers guy. So in Hollywood, there is also a little bit when you're at a producer level – You're the GM of the Chicago Bears and you go try to talk to the Green Bay Packers and they act like dicks to like, oh, who are you? We won't let you onto the lot. Fuck you. And then you drive your car through the thing. Right. And then you're not allowed the Green Bay Packers facility anymore. Kiss my ass. You know, like there's this sort of. He was an executive at Warner Brothers and assumed he probably would be forever like a lunatic or didn't and was stealing money the entire time and was like, sooner or later, they're going to figure this out and kick me out. But I'm a Hollywood executive, so what are they really going to do? Because they're stealing money, too. So, what, are we going (laughs) to let the IRS see our books? We're all going to lay out all of our books and see who stole money? I don't think so. I don't fucking think so. (laughs) So, the Matrix doesn't get made unless he's a gangster. Lethal Weapon doesn't get made unless he's a gangster. Predator doesn't get made unless he's a gangster. Like, there's an element where I personally am worried in the future now that we have exclusively corporate movie making. I know he's a scumbag, but if we don't I have... He thinks you a scumbag, too. <laughs> I mean, I know. I am. I'm correct. Silver. Yes. Thinks anyone who likes his films is yes. a scumbag. And he is correct. He is correct. That is correct. But I wonder if when he says my audience is scumbags, is he being detrimental? Is he being insulting? Or is he talking about like himself a little bit?
1: Uh maybe, but he honestly he called us the scum of the earth. And which he he just makes money. He just makes movies that he thinks are bright and flashy and people will go see.
0: It's an interesting element. And I don't know what the context is because I was saying there's a notorious story about how he was a hairdresser at one point. That was how he came up. He was a famous hairdresser. Big and flashy, especially if you're from Jersey. Absolutely. He did the hair for Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. And that was literally he was Barbara Streisand's boyfriend. How funny it would have been if I knew another actor from Yentl, though. (laughs) That would have been amazing. Right? All right, it's time for the Blockbuster Film School Dumpster. Uh, All right, Nick, we're going to toss a couple in there before we go to the wall. I think the wall should be three. What do you think? Let's do three. And then what do you think the dumpster should be? Uh, 17. Okay, correct,
1: yes. But let's just toss a couple in there. What do you got? Last Boy Scout. it's wa- trash. Not only do I want to throw the dumpster, I want to put that dumpster in a plane, drop in the ocean, (laughs) sink it down, and then have a bomb go off. I hate the last Boy Scout more than I hate my family members. And if you've listened to your earlier
0: episodes, you know I got some problems with them. I was so... Like, I love you, and I'm glad that we watched that movie, but I was so mad at myself. It was so hard. I was, uh, was so—I uh, watched it. and Dude. I, It was so boring. It made me insane. It was easier to get through The Irishman. Uh, yeah, because Scorsese is a good director. He just sometimes, yes. like, takes forever. He's, like, doing his thing, and he's, like, painting a the painting that last- takes forever. Like, no. This was trash. There's nothing— Yes.
1: Nothing redeemable above of this movie. No. I was excited to see Daniel Harris in it because I love the Halloween sequels. Even she comes off like an asshole I in this movie. Rick common. like
0: it, one scene, it, and he gets shot, and it's better than the rest of the entire movie. Just yeah. simply his face and his voice. I was like, "Oh, thank you, Rick Dupomon, for existing." Just you are better than this whole movie. You, oh, uh. Art's got a gun. Like, grave diggers. All right. Anyway, so I'm going to put Lisa Weapon 4. At one point, Lisa Weapon, the first two, awesome. Lisa Weapon 3, escalating. Lisa Weapon 4. You haven't put Lisa Weapon 3 in there, too. Trash. The bad guys are construction workers? (laughs) I know. I know. It's bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's fucking terrible. It's trash. Um... I mean, there's a lot. I want to throw in there what we watched last night. What did we watch? Assassins. Oh, Assassins is
1: fucking so boring. I want to bring this up. We were talking about it. We couldn't stop talking about this. So you have Sly Stallone yeah. go on a funeral to shoot somebody. Yeah. Who's the boss from the Lisa Weapon movies? Yes. He's wearing a fucking um <laughs> a, cast. a cast with a gun in it. And yeah. then he just pops out a cork.
0: <laughs> So you could shoot this motherfucker. He's like hiding behind a gravestone like five feet away no, from no, the theater. No. He's just
1: at the thing. He's <laughs> yeah. at the thing. Yeah. You have Antonio Banderas. Yeah. Five feet away. First of all, there's a <laughs> bunch of mobsters there. They don't do anything or look or no. anything. You have some flamboyant, beautiful Latino man. <laughs> yes. With hair like an angel. Acting his ass off trying to yeah, save that movie. Try- he is and McGregor in the prequels. Yes. Compared to in, for assassins. Mm-hmm. Like the like people from Phantasm hid more behind gravestones oh than this God. asshole. Just pop this motherfucker off. <laughs> and then Sylvester Stallone, who's there to shoot the same guy, chases him. Pins him behind a grave. He gets arrested. And then Sylvester Stallone complains to his boss about this guy killing this. <laughs> Why can't you just take credit for the guy yeah. who got shot? Who cares? Your boss wasn't there. You both got paid to kill the same guy. Who cares? He's dead. Yeah. Who gives a shit? It makes no fucking
0: sense. <laughs> and then the rest of the movie is a revenge plot. But he's Sylvester Stallone. I can literally see like the meeting with the Wachowskis where they wanted to take their name off, where they rewrote that entire scene. And they were like, this doesn't make any sense. And they were like, get the fuck out of here. And then there's literally like silver, like, don't worry about it. I'll get you guys on the back end. It's all good. Don't fuck. It's all Don't fucking worry about it. Don't fucking worry about it. I'll get you. You guys come with some crazy ass shit about like fuck computers. You, ha- you have to stop right now. <laughs> I can't take any more silver impressions. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you guys do computers or whatever. And they're like, he's a computer guy. I'll get you. Don't worry about it. Anyway, all right. So let's do inside. It's time for the Blockbuster Film School Wall. Okay, what you got? What you got for your three on the wall? I'm gonna do something a
1: little different. Oh, I'm picking movies or trying to pick movies I have not mentioned on the wall. Yeah. Or just same praise as many times as I could. So I'm gonna get weird with this. Mm. Number three is the toxic dump fire that is Xanadu.
0: <laughs> it's crazy. It's insane. That lead actor they have may be on the scale. That guy, <laughs> <is> <laughs> fucking, that guy, whenever I watched it, I was like, what's wrong with this yeah. guy? Something is up. And he looks like his skin. No, he looks like his blood is made of opium. His job is painting a mural and he gets pissed when people come and they're like, you're not painting the mural fast enough. He's like, I'm trying my hardest. I was like, this is the exciting incident of a movie. Holy shit. This is a movie that got made. Oh, man. R.I.P. Grace Kelly. <laughs> R.I.P. No, wait. Is it Grace Kelly? No, oh, it's his name. Fred Astaire. It's Gr- Fred you know, Astaire. Gene Kelly. Gene Kelly. Fred Gene Astaire Kelly. That's right. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I'm glad you put Xanadu on there. Yeah, I'm going for it. I agree with you of the trying to do stuff that I would not normally do. So I will say V for Vendetta. I appreciate him going with the Chelseas again, making maybe the coolest Alan Moore movie ever. Everyone always tries to ruin Alan Moore stuff. Maybe more prescient than it's ever been before. And uh, remember, remember... The fifth of November. What's your number two, Nicholas? You know what? I've never brought up the Matrix. The
1: Matrix is number two.
0: Hell yeah, it's my number two as well. Yeah. So we can team up on that because you know what? The fucking Matrix is badass. Yeah. And I'm sorry. And same thing. On the count of three. Yeah. We're gonna say the
1: best part of the Matrix at the same time. We ready? Okay. Yeah. One, two, three. Joey, Joey pans on his own.
0: <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's like. What was he, that monologue he has, where he's like, I can't even eat a goddamn steak anymore. Yeah, I gotta be in the goddamn internet.
1: <laughs> I know it's just the matrix telling me that this is juicy yeah. and delicious and cooked to perfection. Yeah, and I know it's fake, but I don't care. And he eats it and he goes, Ignorance is bliss.
0: <laughs> I like that the uh, there's a character in it called Switch, right? And in the original script, Switch in the real world was a man, and in The Matrix, Switch is a woman, Mm. and that's kind of an integral part. And according to legend, Joel Silver literally was like, I like what you guys are doing. It's a cool idea, but we ran out of fucking money. So Switch is the same actor because I don't got time to be negotiating two fucking contracts. Let's go. Honestly, I just figured
1: (laughs) since the Bukowski's are into BDSM, Mm Switch was just a guy or a person <laughs> who could be in control, mm-hmm. but didn't mind losing it.
0: Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But interesting about it. Anyway. All right. We'll get into the Wachowskis. They'll have their own episode. It'll be fucking dope. It'll actually be really fucking That'd dope. That'd be great. Yes. Maybe we could try and get them on. Our, Lana, I hurt you. Uh, I fucking love talking to you at the Chicago Diner. Please come and hang out with us. Maybe we could try. Maybe I can figure out a way. American, I bring hummus. It's vegan. Yes. Yes. For real, you are super cool. And one of my favorite directors. All right, so what's your number one, Nick? It's The Nice Guys. Oh, the Nice Guys is so fucking good. It's so good. You chose the Lord's name in vain. I found it pretty useful, Janet. I I love The Nice Guys. I, I could watch it every day. Like the end scene where fucking,
1: mm, a little help. The end scene where Ryan Gosling <laughs> literally thinks he's <laughs> invincible and just goes balls out yes. nonstop
0: because yes. he doesn't think he could die. Yes. It's insane. It's so good. and It's I, hilarious. I could watch Gosling smoke cigarettes all day, every day. Honestly, there's something about it. I don't know. I don't want to talk about that. I'll go smoke a cigarette. <laughs> it's pretty goddamn good. I'm going to put this out there. My number one on Joel Silver, I'll give him credit. He changed the game of what John Hughes could do. He changed the game for... Robert Downey Jr., so many actors, so much of what the 80s was possible for. I mean, I don't think Rick and Morty exists. I don't – literally, if he doesn't take a weird shot on the weirdest script that Hughes could come up with and make weird science, I don't think we have a lot of the modern psychedelic sci-fi that we have. I really don't think so. I really don't think it exists. I think he accidentally created it and – I love weird science, and any time anyone says it's not woke or something like that, I am just like, you need to watch it. You need to watch it and see that actually the part of why it's crazy is that it's more woke than you possibly could imagine. It's fucking nuts. It is amazing. And it goes into all of these things of like, I'm going to create a perfect woman for myself, and then you do, and she actually is God, and she actually is perfect and she actually changes your life but she is not a sexual being it's like the craziest coolest wildest thing I've ever seen maybe in the history of my life and Joel Silver produced it so I love Weird Science and uh, also um, Bill Paxton as <laughs> as the brother as the shithead brother awesome I love it alright so I think that's it team I think we did a Joel Silver episode I think we pulled it off Joel if you want to work with us say hey, man we love you. I know we're talking shit, but we love you. And yeah. I know no one's ever talked shit also, about you. Also, Joel, just like it's not gonna make any sense, but while we
1: recorded this, I stole forty five dollars from these two guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I came out ahead. He's like, yeah, yeah well, I mean, they agreed to twenty-five percent, you know. <laughs> so you're in the right. Listen, Joel, you wanna come hang out? <laughs> Joel Silver presents Blockbuster Film School. I agree with Nick. I'm in. Yeah. 100%. Well, what are the fucking chances Joel Silver 100% will
1: ever come to, even as gentrified as it is now, Humble Park?
0: He's a, he's an old dirtbag from fucking New Jersey. You think that guy cares? Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. He wears all purple, silver clothes now. Yeah, but see, that's what I like about Joel Silver is that I think Joel Silver actually is, like, not that. He is the guy who will take a shot. He will go to the weird neighborhood. He doesn't give a fuck. He's he'll a, pay for us to fly out to him. He'll get out of the fucking car and be like, fuck him. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah he him. won't pay for our luggage. No. That's on us. Nah. You could show up and not bring anything. That's fine.
0: You think Joel Silver's scared of a bad neighborhood? I don't think so. This is a fucking Steven Spielberg, okay? Fucking, all right, so. <laughs> a I lo- weird dig as Spiel- <laughs> Senior Spielbergo. I love Steven, but. All right, look, I love you guys. This has been Blockbuster Film School. Brian Taft, super producer. Nicholas Sauter, uh headmaster of the Blockbuster Film School. I'm Alex Bonner. Look, We have a Patreon running if you want to come and hit up our Patreon so that we stay alive. We got snacks for you. Yes, I'll send you snacks. I don't care. I'll give you whatever you want. I'll do whatever you want. I'll do whatever you want. Hit us up on Instagram. Hit us up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Premium, whatever you got. If you're following right at this point, if you're still listening to the show, then look. You're in with us. I love you guys. You are Allegiant members of the Blockbuster Film School Academy. I love you guys. Do drugs. Do whatever the shit you got to do. You're amazing filmmakers. Write stuff. Make stuff. Do it as much as you can. Who knows what's going to happen? This civilization could be collapsing. I love you. I'll see you in one week.